Praise the Lord, everybody. It's Pastor Fields here, and yes, it's Wednesday, and we have come together again by the help of the Lord, by the grace of our God, to go into the Word of the Lord. I say it's by the grace and help of God because uh, He didn't have to bring us this far, but the Lord has been good to us. He has been faithful, and I'm so glad that we serve such a wonderful Savior. We're here again to go into God's holy word, and I pray uh, that the Lord will bless us real good through his word. I want to give the saints time to come in, uh, but we have been rejoicing uh, every day that the Lord allows us to see it is a day that we should rejoice, thanking God for another day of life, another opportunity to serve him in the beauty of holiness. Let's go into prayer, shall we? Father, we bless your holy name and we're so grateful for this, another opportunity to go into your word, to come together as your children. Those of us here in Washington, D.C. and the saints of God in the Bronx, New York, and people all over this world have chosen to connect with us on Wednesdays. And I thank you for them one by one, home by home. I ask, Lord, as we go into your word that you'd minister to us, each one of us, in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the Lord bless you tonight. Now, on last week, uh, the Lord gave us a, a lesson um, entitled, No Time for Spiritual Relapse. Uh, and um, I believe the Lord is just leading me and directing me to uh, instruct the people of God, to talk to the people of God about... Um, self-examination, uh, taking a good look into ourselves, uh, inventory, a spiritual inventory, so to speak. Uh, these are the last days, and I know you've heard many lessons and sermons on blessings and healing, and uh, but I'm reminded of a very foundational scripture. What would it profit a man to gain this whole world and lose his soul? The greatest blessing you'll ever have is your salvation. That's the, you can't beat that. I don't care how big the house is, how much you paid for the car, how pretty the mink coat is, uh, how much money you have in the bank. There's nothing more precious. There's no greater blessing, no greater miracle than you can receive. And that's the salvation of your soul. So we're uh, sort of doing a part two. <clears throat> excuse me, of no time for relapse, but um, uh, using a foundational scripture in the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, familiar passage, tying in with last week's lesson, but tonight I'm asking a question, uh, where are you? Where are you? And of course, I'm not talking about where you are physically, but I'm talking really about where we are, you and I, spiritually. I think it's a fair question. It's an important question, especially as it relates to the times that we're living in. Uh, the Lord is about to come, and everyone should be ready, not, not getting ready. Uh, it's late in the evening, uh, and we, we just need to be ready. We need to be ready, must be ready. So I'm going to read our foundational scripture, Genesis chapter 3, 
verses 8 and 9, familiar passage. Here is Adam and Eve uh, in the Garden of Eden. And um, listen to these words. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now, of course, we don't talk like that in these days. In today's English, the question would sound like this. Adam, where are you? Where are you? That's the question I'm asking tonight to everyone who's connected. And I believe that's a question that is appropriate for today also. I want you to know that the Lord is walking through the garden. He's walking amongst his children. And that question is being put out there in the atmosphere. Where are you? And it's appropriate. Uh, the New Testament church, uh, there's a scripture that's in my heart right now. Every time we go to take communion, these words, 99% of the time you'll hear these words coming out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28. But let a man examine himself. Those words are very important. Let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Uh, that just dropped into my spirit. But we're in the Old Testament tonight, and the question is, where are you? Where are you? And I'll read the verses again. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art Thou. It's a very personal and, and pointed question. Uh, the Lord didn't beat around the bush. He says, where are you? Uh, it is the first question recorded in Scripture. The first question asked uh, that God ever asked of man. And it's the first question he puts to individual men and women, even today. Where are you? Where are you? It simply means... Um, how do you stand before God? Um, what is your spiritual condition in the light of eternity as it relates to eternity? Where, where are you? Um, the circumstances are clearly outlined here in the Old Testament in the book of the beginnings. Um, I won't read all of the scriptures, but uh, for contextual value, chapter 3, verses 1 through 19 and the fact is that God himself is asking the question, uh, and that makes it vitally important, um, something that we have to face up to. We have to face up to. God is asking the question that we all have to face up to. Where are you? Um, and we all should answer it honestly. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, where are you? Uh, and we should not hum and haw, but we should answer God directly and honestly. Um, and so there's several things I want to bring to light. Um, chapter 3, of course, tells the story of paradise, right? Um, Adam and Eve, uh, and the fact that um, man had willfully sinned. 
Mm-hmm. And um, humanity was originally given every perfect thing. It was a utopia, meaning a utopia is a perfect society. Everything, um, Adam was a perfect man. Eve was a perfect woman. What does, I don't even know what a perfect man or a perfect woman looks like. Uh, sin has deviated us so much. Um, I can't even imagine in my mind how beautiful uh, Adam and Eve were, how powerful, how majestic they were. Um, but um, sin had taken place. Everything that was perfect uh, had been ruined. Despite all that God had given them, Adam and Eve needed only a little bit of prompting, a little talking to. Somebody messed with their theology. <laughs> yeah, the serpent came and, and uh, talked Eve uh, into disobeying the creator. And she talked Adam into being disobedient. And uh, immediately they were overcome. Immediately they were overcome by shame and quickly cursed by God. Sin brings you into a curse. Anything outside of obedience to God's word and his ways brings you into a place of judgment. Yeah, so here uh, in uh, the third chapter in that book of Genesis, what you, you're getting into is a painful story of human history that begins with their exit from the Garden of Eden. Why did they have to leave? Because of sin. So, um, Previous verses would reveal uh, the first consequence of human sin. The first consequence of human sin was shame and guilt. Combination of knowledge, disobedience. Listen to my notes. A combination of knowledge, disobedience, and human frailty led them to an overpowering urge to be covered and hidden. Soon as they acknowledged or saw that they were naked, shame and guilt and immediately they attempted to cover themselves. Prior to this, they were naked and unashamed. Adam and Eve had nothing to be ashamed of. When you're in God's presence, when you're living holy, when you're doing what God tells you to do, you have nothing to be ashamed of. Their minds were pure. It was a time of innocency. So there was no reason uh, to be self-conscious or embarrassed uh, but the immediate result of having their eyes uncovered and open to good and evil, because he said, do not eat of the tree of good and evil. Uh, now, what they have an understanding of is their own evil and the goodness they had lost. Uh, sin will take you to a place of regret, and you'll start understanding that you have lost some things. Um, so listen to these words, uh, because Adam had never hidden from God before. There was no reason to. Uh, God had never had to ask any questions. Where are you? What are you doing? Why are you over there? So it's not that God didn't know. God's question, listen to my notes, God questioned his question here, rather, is no different from any other parent who asks a question to their child when they already know the answer, right? Uh, you hear the cookie jar opening, 
and and uh, you know it's your child opening the cookie jar. You told them not to mess with those cookies. And as soon as you hear the cookie jar, what are you doing? But you already know. But the parent wants an answer. The first thing I want to know, are you going to tell me the truth? And do you understand that you're doing something that you were told not to do? So God is asking the question, not because he didn't know. It was because he wanted to see if Adam was going to give him a truthful answer. I want to know. Uh, I want to know if you're willing to reveal yourself to me. Repentance is about revealing yourself to God. If you want to make things right, you have to reveal yourself. You have to uncover it. You have to confess it and say, I did it. I was there. I knew I was wrong. I should not have done it. And he asked Adam, where are you? I want to see if you're willing to reveal yourself to me and confess. Um, it should be noted in the Hebrew language that uh, the Hebrew word for you, both here and um, in verse 11, is singular, where he says, where art thou, or where are you? you it's singular so he's not he's not talking to adam and eve at the same time he's talking to adam he said adam where are you in other words um at this particular time god was not talking to eve he's talking to one individual and when judgment comes he's going to talk to us individually not 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 in the group uh, he's not going to put you in, in that clique that you've been hanging with for years. You have to stand before God by yourself. Hallelujah. Um, so, um, he was not challenging their actions. He was questioning Adam, questioned Adam first. Where, where are you? He's not asking where are the two of you. Uh, he's specifically saying Adam, Adam. Where are you? Uh, from the beginning, um, I want you to know, and I need to say this because, uh, uh, you know, when you hear some people preach it and teach it, you blame it on the woman. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, the serpent spoke to her first. Uh, but when God came in the garden, he didn't say Eve. He didn't say you too. He said Adam, Adam, as my friend Elder Hollis would say. Uh, where are you? Uh, from the very beginning, uh, Paul says it in Romans, the fifth chapter, verse number 12. He says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sin. So what Adam did brought sin into humanity. Hallelujah. He carried, um, he was made in the image of man, and he was given the responsibility. And when God came into the garden, he said, Adam, where are you? So let's dig into the lesson a little deeper. And I, I, I really love this lesson. Uh, there is a lot of meat in here. It, it's, a, it's so much meat. Uh, you can spend a whole lot of time right here. Uh, but let's talk about it. 
and uh, our anchor scripture, Genesis 3, verses 8 through 9. Um, the whole for contextual uh, meaning, it would be chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. Uh, so let's talk about the first aspect, the God who created and who sustains you is asking a question tonight because uh, it is a question that is was not only apropos for then, but it is for now. Where are you? So the creator, the creator of all things is asking us individually, where are you? So we believe he created, we believe that he created our first parents, right? Adam and Eve were the parents of humanity. Um, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. I take you to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. You'll hear these words. And the Lord God formed man in the image. I'm sorry. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. So when we turn to the New Testament, um, we find out... Uh, very clearly, very clear statements about the creation. Remember what John writes in his gospel, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. He says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I can take you from there to Colossians, New Testament now. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So these verses tell us clearly um, how man was created, and the same God who created us is the one who sustains us, the God that created you, sustains you. He's a keeper. The God that created us, the God that created you, cares for you, sustains you. He watches over you and supplies all of our needs individually. And he's asking, yes, he's asking, where are you? Also, I'd have to say just from that uh our anchor scripture, that question that God asked Adam, where are you? And I believe he's asking this question today to, to his children. Um, and I would say it like this, uh, because this is where Adam was. The God against whom you've sinned, 
because when we do things that are against his word, we are sinning against him. He's asking us one by one, where are you? My Lord, what, what needs to happen more and more, in, especially in church, is that we're not pointing fingers, but we're saying, Lord, put the spotlight on me. Uh, because we read uh, here in Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, uh, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. I gave you a responsibility. Uh, I put you here to dress it and to keep it. I gave you authority and I told you to dress it and keep it. Um, and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Mm -hmm. So, listen to my notes. Uh, we've got to be careful to see that through the sin of our first parents, the whole human race was contaminated. Uh, it contaminated the bloodline of the entire human race. We are, we are culpable because... We're, now we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Let's, let's compare it and see what Paul says in Romans chapter 3, uh, chapter 3 and verse 20. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Now, back then, the rule was don't eat of that tree. You can eat of that one, but you can't eat of that one. That was That's all you had to do. Uh, but they broke that law. And now that you broke it, you are, you are knowledgeable now that you are in sin. Disobedience is sin. Paul says in chapter 5 of Romans, Verse 12, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all that all have sinned. So because of this, everybody is in sin because of the bloodline. It was contaminated. He says, Paul says in Romans 6 and 23, I'm sorry, he says these words, for the wages of sin is death. Remember that verse? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. If we flip back to Isaiah, the prophet, uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, they, they coincide. The word is rich, whether you're in the Old or New Testament, and it all ties in Isaiah 53 and 6. Listen to this. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord have laid on him the iniquity of us all. Ezekiel had something to say about it, and he prophesies in the 18th chapter, verse 4. Ezekiel says these words, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. New Testament. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Old Testament preaching. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. So 
um, is it therefore God, uh, the God against whom we have sinned, uh, is asking, where are you? Um, the Lord is speaking to his children today. Where are you? Where are you? You're not where I left you. You're not where, uh, and, and the theology has to be right. We are, we are supposed to be in heavenly places now with Christ Jesus. Uh, but when he comes back, uh, when he comes to see us, to check on us, um, are we where we're supposed to be? Where are you? Um, the third thing uh, I have to say in, in um, contextually and in looking at the question that God is asking Adam in the garden, uh, the God from whom you're hiding, he was hiding. Adam and Eve now are hiding trying, they didn't just cover themselves up, but to, they are literally hiding from an omnipresent, omniscient God. They are hiding. There's a part of sin, really, that is foolish. Uh, he sees, he knows, but instead of confessing and saying, yes, Lord, I'm wrong, sometimes we tend to hide or try to cover. Um, Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Um, 7 through 10, listen to what, what these words say. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Mm -hmm. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? So it, it tells us of the efforts that Adam and Eve made to hide from God. Uh, of course, of course, as forestated, you can't hide from a God that knows everything and sees everything. Um, David wrote it in the, the 139th Psalm. Uh, he says, uh, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest mine down uh, sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. My Lord, Proverbs, Solomon says in the 15th chapter of Proverbs, um, the third verse, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Jeremiah chimes in in the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah 24th verse, can any hide himself in secret places that I cannot see him? Saith the Lord, do not I fill heaven and earth? Saith the Lord, so he knows, he sees. Um, all over the world, people are trying to hide from God. All over, people are in sin. And trying to hide. Some folks are hiding in church. Yeah, I said it. Some people are hiding in church. Living in sin and hiding in church. It's time to say, Lord, I want to be right. Yes, I disobeyed. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm not where I should be. Stop hiding and come to the Lord. 
to hide behind. Listen, we're, some are hiding behind excuses uh, for not serving, for not loving. Uh, some, just like Adam and Eve, are behind the tree, right? Some are hiding behind uh, trees of doubt, uh, you know, just hiding from God. Uh, but there's no tree, there's no excuse. Uh, nothing can hide you from God. He sees everything. He's an all-seeing God. Hebrews 4.13. Listen to these words. The writer of Hebrews says in the 13th verse of the 4th chapter, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So it doesn't matter how you dress it up, how many hats you put on, how many layers of clothing God sees your nakedness. My goodness. Doesn't matter how many titles you wear, how many coats of paint. God has x-ray vision. He sees you. He sees you. So you can't hide. So um, the God that we have to give an account to is asking, where are you? Hebrews 9 and 27. And as it is appointed unto every man, unto men rather, once to die, but after this, the judgment. We have to give an account for everything that we do. All of us, the preacher, the usher, everybody, inside and outside of the church, we all have to give an account for ourselves. That gives even more significance in the fact that he addressed Adam and Eve separately. He said Adam first. He dealt with Adam first and then he went to Eve. He's going to judge us individually. You can't take a lawyer. You can't ask for no witnesses. He's going to question us one on one. Where are you? What's your spiritual condition? Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? My Lord, Consider the statement, consider it, a three-word question, where are you? Revelation 20, verses 11 through 13, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. So no matter, saint, unsaint, excuse my bad English, doesn't matter, everybody, bad, good, short, tall, no matter, uh, everyone is going to have to stand before God for themselves. Can't grab nobody by the hand and say, come on with me, stand with me. Nope. We have to give an answer for the deeds in our flesh. So this is the God uh, with whom we have to do um and I, I shouldn't say it like that. This is the God that we are accountable to. And he's asking, where are you? Um, it's a dreadful thing, according to Scripture, to fall into the hands uh, of the living God. 
to be put in judgment. One of the reasons why the scriptures tell us to examine ourselves or to judge ourselves is so that we won't be judged with the world. Hallelujah. Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Here's another thing. Uh, that got my attention just from this three-word question that God is asking Adam, uh, the God who loves us. He's a God that loves us. He loves us. He's asking, where are you? Let me take you to Genesis chapter 3, now verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Now listen, I, I want you to understand there's a lot of tenderness in that question. Where are you? Where, where are you? And listen, listen to the tenderness. Listen to the tenderness, the compassion, and the concern. You know, some people ask you, where are you? Just because they want to know your business. But the Lord already knows. And as I said, he wants to see if you're willing to reveal yourself. Right? Now, he wants you to reveal yourself so he can really help you. So he can help you because he loves you. Where are you? Uh, he's asking us, where are you? I love you. <laughs> I don't want you to be lost. Where are you? Yes. In this three-word question, this three-word question, there is a threefold proof of God's love. First, he proves his love to us in, uh, in that he was willing to deal with Adam's sin. He's asking us so he can deal with the problem. Hallelujah. He, he, that's his love. He's asking Adam, where are you? So he can deal with Adam's sin. He did not overlook it or condone it. He wanted to deal with it. Uh, listen to my notes. How could he? Again, his love is proved in that he at once promised to send a savior. We're going to get into it. That promise is contained in the 15th verse, chapter 3, 3 and 15. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Hmm. My Lord. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, he's talking out of love. Uh, and, and whether you know it or not, he's foretelling uh, and approving his love. I'm getting ready. I'm going to deal. I'm dealing with sin. That one verse, he's beginning to deal with the sin. Hallelujah. It's love that made him do it. Where we read of the seed of the woman, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The seed of the woman is Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord Jesus, the Redeemer. Let's go to Gen uh, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth the Son made of a woman, made under the law. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. 
And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, my Lord. The third way he proved his love, right, right here, and saying, where art thou? And he's dealing with the sin now by asking the question. After asking the question, I'm sorry, he immediately makes provision he immediately makes a provision for their nakedness. Immediately. Come to God, he'll make provision for your nakedness. Hallelujah. I need to speak to someone and say that again. Come to God and he will make provision for your nakedness. Genesis 3 and 21 Genesis 3 and 21 Unto Adam also and to his wife Listen to what God does. Did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? What you tried to do, your cover-up won't work. And I'm not trying to cover up anything. I need to deal with your sin. So in order to get the skins of an animal, some he had to kill an animal. Blood had to be shed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He had to shed some blood. So immediately he makes provision. He deals with their sin. Listen, people get upset when you talk about sin, but you can't deal with it if you're not willing to talk about it. Well, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Put your name there. Where are you? Hallelujah. Put your name right there. Where are you, Michael? What is my spiritual condition? My Lord, let's, let's, let's now suggest some ways that we can answer God's question. Where are you? Uh, let's see if we can answer it. Um, where are you? And sometimes in answering a question, it, it, it stimulates another question. Um, where are you? Are you in Adam or are you in Jesus Christ? That's powerful. And there's a reason uh, because there are only two creations. Uh, there's an old creation and a new creation. Adam is the head of the old creation. He's the reason why we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But the Lord Jesus is the head of the new creation. Are you with me? I'm feeling like preaching right now. All who belong to the old Adamic creation are spiritually dead and doomed. Mm -hmm. So when a, when a person backslides or leaves the household of faith and leaves God, what you're really doing, you're leaving life to go back to death. You need to stay in life and leave death alone. When Jesus came, it was uh, to live the life that we failed to live, or the life that Adam, those under Adam, failed to live. Um, he came to live that life and to die that death that we deserve to die. He died for us so we wouldn't have to die and spend eternity in hell, right? He died and he rose again. Hallelujah. And now we can say if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Um, 
all right. Let me find it here. I have a mistake in my notes, but it's 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15. I got it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. For as in Adam, in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made alive. So if I say, where are you? That, that connected question is, are you in Adam or are you in Jesus Christ? Because Paul said to be in Adam is to die. Everyone who's in Adam will die. Even so in Christ, in Christ, you shall be made alive. And there are two creations, right? That's, that's those who are living in Adam and those who are living in Christ. Um. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, there it is. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So I say again, all this is just, just meat hanging from that question. Where are you? Are you in Adam? Are you in Christ? Where are you? Are you saved or are you lost? Saved or unsaved? Listen, there's no purgatory. There's no in-between. There's no waiting room. <laughs> You're either in or out. It's either yes or no. You're either hot or cold. I don't want lukewarm. You're either out or in. It's either yes or no. Listen, when I was a little boy, uh, my mother would say, listen, uh, if you're going to go out the house, go out the house. If you're going to come in the house, come in the house. Stop standing in the door. Some of you remember stuff like that, right? Come in the house if you're going to be in the house. And I hear God saying, come in if you're going to come in. Yes, where are you? Where are you? Are you in Adam or are you in Jesus Christ? Are you saved? Where are you? Or are you lost? This, this now... This is scriptural language. Yes, I'm not making it up. There's two classes of people. Um, uh, this has always been the case. And however uh, respectable, refined, or educated, or rich you are, hallelujah, you've got to either be saved or unsaved. It's not according to your money. It's not according to your pedigree. It's not according to your race. It's not according to your status in life or what side of the track you live on. He simply wants to know, are you saved or unsaved? Where are you in this? Um, let's look up Luke chapter 15, verse 4, and then go to verse 24. What man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it. Go down to 24. With this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm reading this because the Lord doesn't want you to be lost. Hallelujah. He, he's, he's willing to come and get you if you would just tell him where you are. Lord, I'm not where I should be. I'm lost. Lord, I'm not living. I'm not living up to your word. I'm not doing what I should be doing. And he'll get you. He'll come get you. He came and got you the first time. 
Yes, that's what grace is all about. I couldn't get to him. I didn't even know how. He was willing to come. God came down to them and said, where are you? Hallelujah. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send any. He came himself. And when he comes to get me out of this place, when the rapture comes, he's not sending an angel. He's coming himself. And when judgment comes, I'm going to be standing before him. That's why you need to be able to answer the question now, where are you? Are you in Adam or in Jesus? Are you saved or unsaved? 2 Corinthians 4 and 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Hallelujah. So we're not hiding anything. We're going to put the word out. You better know where you are. Better be right with God. Be in that right place. He that believeth, hallelujah, be baptized. You will be saved. Hallelujah. I can do an altar call right here. But if you don't believe, you shall be damned. There is no in between. You're either in or out. John 10 and 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and I shall go in and out and find pasture. My Lord. I have some more scriptures to read, but I won't, I won't read them all. But when you get a chance, read Acts 15 and 11. Hallelujah. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved, even as they uh, you get a chance to read Acts 16, 30 through 31. Uh, you're either saved or you're lost. You're either saved or unsaved, right? Uh, and um, because there's no in-between position. There's no in-between position. I, I don't understand some that try to make people believe that you're, it's all right if you straddle. It's all right, but uh, no. Uh, I don't see it anywhere in scripture. Um, and when God confronted Adam, um, he didn't condone. He did not say, all right, uh, I'll put you in, a, in, in a, a special room. No, he dealt with the sin. Hallelujah. There's no in-between position. But thank God, there is salvation. There is salvation. Thank God. Where would we be if there was no salvation? Where would we be if God was not willing to deal with our sin? He dealt with my sin. How did he deal with it? The shedding of blood. He shed the blood and took those skins and put the skins on them. Because what they tried to do, their righteousness was nothing like, nothing but a filthy rag. It wasn't good enough pulling fig leaves down. There was no bloodshed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So, where are you? I hear the Lord say, are you for me or are you against me? There's no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. And, and Jesus made this perfectly clear in the gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 12, um, verse 30, listen to these words. He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth 
abroad. We, we, um, I think we have to stop making excuses for people and stop trying to, to uh, put all these gray areas. Uh, you either accept him or reject him. And that's the message he wanted, Adam. You either believe or don't believe. You either obey or disobey, right? And he says, where are you? I want to see if you're willing to reveal yourself to me and tell me what you've done. Tell me where you are. Hallelujah. We are either on the side of Christ, we're either on God's side or on the side of his enemies. So, uh, which is true. And this is not an indictment. This is soul searching. Like this is a time to say, Lord, put the spotlight on me. It's dreadful. It is dreadful to be conscientiously and deliberately lined up with those things that are outside of God. Hallelujah. And some people, for some reason, seem to be content to be outside. But you can't make it into glory living outside. You've got to come in got to come all the way in. And I hear the Lord say, where are you? Where are even to those who are claiming to be in all that tongue talking, all that. Are you really in? Where are you? Are you dressed in fig leaves or are you dressed in the garments that God has prepared for you? Fig leaves are skin. That that was the comparison there in the garden, are you dressed, are you going to stay in your fig leaves or are you going to dress or wear the garments of skin? And, and let's let's get into that. Very interesting because we've already referred to Genesis, the third chapter and the 21st verse. I'll read it again. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and he clothed them. But look at Look at the verse one more time and compare it with the seventh verse. So we're going to compare verse 21, Genesis 3 and 21, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skins and clothe them. But listen to what it says in the third chapter and in the seventh verse. It says, and the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They made themselves aprons. They made themselves aprons. They made themselves aprons. God made them coats of skins and clothed them. The fig trees, the fig leaves, I'm sorry, that Adam and Eve used to sew together speak of their own righteousness. Let me, I, I've sinned, let me fix it. Let me cover it up. But you can't fix it. When somebody falls from grace, you can't fix it. God is the only one that can fix it. That's why you have to reveal yourself to God. Uh, the fig trees that Adam and Eve uh, used to make aprons was not sufficient. No. They sold together, and it speaks of their own righteousness, which is never, our righteousness is never acceptable before God. How do I know? The prophet Isaiah says it like this, Isaiah 64 and 6, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. 
and we all do fade as the leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. My Lord. So these aprons, um, that they may speak to us of, of a man's effort to gain acceptance. Yeah, I know what God says, but uh, now that I'm, I'm in the wrong, I'm going to do what I have to do to gain acceptance before God. But listen, uh, Paul says something very interesting in the 10th chapter of Romans, uh, verse 3, and I'm almost through. I don't want to hold you long. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So you can't submit to God's way and do it your way at the same time. No. I'll read it again. My Lord, Paul says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So now let's talk about the garments of skin because the garments of skin tell us, as forestated, that something had to die. An animal had to be put to death. First sacrifice that was made. First time blood is shed. Hallelujah. An animal had to be killed and blood had to be shed. God himself had made provision for his children to be clothed. If you want to be dressed appropriately, you have to let God dress you. If you want to be righteous, you have to let God make you righteous. You can't make yourself righteous. My Lord. Let's, let's see something else Isaiah says in chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61 and 10. Uh, he says these words, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. Hallelujah. Covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom, decketh himself with the ornaments, and as a bride, adoreth herself with her jewels. My Lord. I love Isaiah. Hallelujah. This is what God did for us. Uh, and he signifies it uh, in what he, he was willing to do for Adam and Eve. Hallelujah. But here uh, we see an illustration of his love all through this. Hallelujah. But that powerful question needs to be answered. Where are you? Are you in Adam or in Christ? Are you saved or are you not saved? Are you holy or unholy? There's no in between. Uh, are you for Christ or against Christ? Are you for him or against him? Uh, are you dressed in fig leaves or in uh, skins? Are you trying to be righteous on your own, uh, which, which is as, as filthy rags? Are you righteous or self-righteous? Hallelujah. Are you holy or unholy? And finally, um, we, we come to this, this final part of where are you? And it's a question that has to be honestly answered. I can't answer for you. Uh, and even to be able to say, Lord, I don't know where I am. <laughs> I don't know where I'm at. 
That's called being lost. Sometimes when there's an emergency, right, and you're, and you're on the line with 911, where are you? Where are you? And, and quite often the person says, I don't know. I don't know. And, and one of the things that the officer will say is, well, look for signs. What intersection are you at? Hallelujah. You haven't, some of us haven't even stopped to look where we, we are. We've been so busy hiding. We've been so busy covering up instead of revealing it to God so he can deal with our sin. Because where you are will affect where you end up. So the, the final part of that question uh, that really uh, stimulates another question um, or I should say an adage to that, are, are, you, are you bound for heaven? Are you on your way to heaven? Or are you on your way to hell? And, you know, I, I realize people don't like when the preacher puts it so pointedly, but uh, God didn't play with this. No, he didn't play with it at all. There, there are only two destinations. I don't care what people say. There's no such thing as purgatory. After people die in their sins, nobody can get on their knees and pray them into heaven. No. Mm -mm. No, you, you have to give an account, everyone for themselves. So while we're here, it's up to us to answer the question. So because there are only two destinations, Jesus himself said so. It's illogical for us to speak glowingly about heaven and then turn away from all the solemn warnings that we see in Scripture about the danger and certainty of hell. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. Hell is enlarging itself, the Bible says. Uh, believe in me, you shall be saved. Reject me, you shall be damned. Um, it is certain that you either go to heaven or you go to hell. Um, so if, if we were to pass tonight, if you were to pass away tonight, and, and listen, this is for sobering us too. So many of us, so many of our loved ones have passed on. So many of the saints have gone on before us. Uh, and the first thing that comes to my mind is I need to really Take a good look. Take inventory. Take inventory, Lord. Uh, and I hear you say, where are you? If, if you pass tonight, if you close your eyes tonight, uh, where would you wake up? And the only way you can honestly answer that is to take a good look. And if you're not where you should be, then reveal yourself to God and say, Lord, I'm not where I should be. And I don't want to be lost. Hallelujah. Now, this is, this is something that both saint and sinner can grasp, where it stimulates the saint to hold on and get closer to God and to make sure that you are where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, living the way you're supposed to be living. And if you're not saved, it should stimulate you to say, Lord, I want to be where you are. I want to be right. Hallelujah, I want to be saved. I'm going to stop there. Hallelujah, I don't want to hold you for a long time, but I feel this thing. I want to do an altar call right here. I want to, I want to do an altar call right here.
that's a powerful three-word question. Where are, where are you? Mm-hmm. And it's time. We've, we've been talking about everyone else, looking at everyone else. Um, you know, I'm on Facebook quite a bit, and, and even saints and sinners have so much to say about the church, and this one ain't that, and that one ain't this. Has it ever has it ever occurred to you that every one of us, not just the people that you are criticizing, but you yourself will have to stand before God and answer a similar question? Where are you? What's your spiritual condition? Are you holy? Are you saved? Are you with me? Are you for me or against me? You need to find the answer to that question now. While you can hear him talking, you want to answer that question now. Yes. So I want to pray. But before I pray, those of you who have a special request, please send me that request, admin at grtdc.org. And I'll get back with you or someone from my office will get back to you. Um, if you want to be placed on our electronic prayer list, put your name in the comment section. Anyone in your family that needs to be saved, put their names in the comment section. We're getting ready to pray. Even tag them, letting them know that Greater Refuge Temple in Washington, D.C. and Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx, New York, and the saints of God who have connected all over this world, getting ready to pray for them. We're getting ready to pray. Where are you? Hallelujah. Where are you? Where are you? You might want to flip it and, and say it to yourself, where am I? Am I where I should be with the Lord? Yeah, I know people don't shout off at this kind of thing and uh, it may not be a popular lesson, but it's needful. It's necessary. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because when he comes back, hallelujah, when he comes back for us, we better be where we're supposed to be. Yes, I don't, I don't want to be thrown out of the garden. I don't want to be put out of that place that was prepared for me. I want to be with my creator. We're getting ready to pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. Create in us a clean heart, renew the right spirit within us. Blot out our transgressions, restore unto us the joy of thy salvation. Anything, everything that you see that is not right, not like you, take it from us. Help us to be where we're supposed to be. Not trying to cover ourselves, not trying to condone or hide, but to reveal ourselves totally and completely to you. You said, hallelujah, that we should present ourselves, our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, help us, cleanse us. Hey, God, renew us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Say it with me, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Now, if you want to plant a seed in this ministry, you can do so. The technician will put that information on the screen for you. And those of you who are in the New York area, yeah, the New England area, uh, you may use Givelify. Plant a seed, won't you? This is blessed ground. This is holy ground. Yes, I thank you. 
I thank you for every seed that you have been planting and how you have been blessing the ministry uh, during this time. We thank God for you. Well, um, I'm going to let you go. And as I always say, between now and the next time, there are three things that I want you to do. Be careful, be prayerful, and be holy. Shalom. Shalom.